Hi, my name is Sarah Un. I'm a partner at NIST Capital, and we're a boutique financial advisory firm working with startups, SMEs, helping them to raise financing for growth. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup. Thank you. And so what brings you to Africa Tech Summit uh, 2018 in Kigali? I live in Kigali, so it didn't take much. It took a 10-minute motor ride to get me here. But I'm, you know, the reason I moved here in the first place is to support um, the small business and the startup ecosystem and to help bridge the funding gap that we know exists in this market where entrepreneurs are saying, oh, there's no funding or investors don't understand my industry. And investors are saying there's no fundable businesses. I don't see any. So we're trying to bridge that gap by capacity building and by bringing entrepreneurs and startups and SMEs up to a level where investors are at least comfortable kind of starting the due diligence process and having a real conversation about potential fundraising. And so who's right? Is it the startup founders who, you know, you mentioned earlier, or is it the investors? They're both right. So what does that mean for you, given this is a problem you want to solve? How, how do you go about addressing pain points on either side? Both the startups and SMEs, a lot of them don't have the right skill sets within the management team, don't have the right governance structures, don't have the right kind of financial systems in place. And so we come in and we help them to build some of that. Maybe not all of that. We let the investors take them the rest of the way, but we get we get them about 80% of the way. Who pays? Is it the startup founders? Do you identify those with potential or do you get put onto them by investors who say, hey, check those guys out? Most of the time, startups come to us needing funding. Uh, that's... You know, that's why people look for advisors. No one's willing to pay for any kind of advisory services. Startups don't usually pay any upfront fees, so, but we sometimes take a percentage of their company. So we take a small kind of advisory percentage. Do you get to say how much? It's between 5 and 15. Okay. And so then on the investor side, what, what is your relationship with investors? Is, do they see you as a pipeline resource or a pipeline generation resource? Or do they frankly just uh, what, see you as doing work they would rather not have to do themselves? It's, yeah, it's work that they wouldn't do in any case. Do you think some investors should have the attitude that this is part of what, at least within the African context, this should be part and parcel of being an investor on the continent? The very, very early stage ones do. So accelerators, incubators, you know, that's, that's the job that they're created to kind of address. Um, for most typical seed Series A investors, they're looking for companies that have already gone through that capacity building phase. And so they're, they're not looking to get their, you know, hands dirty, dig deep work you know a lot of times you sit in their companies um three four days a week and you kind of work with the team showing them how to put together a financial statement showing them how to think about pricing of their product and and so you know some pretty basic business strategy and a lot of investors want to be higher level they'll be on the advisory board you talk to them once a month they'll help you with your general direction they'll make um, introductions to people who can help with their business, but they don't want to be involved in the day-to-day operations. And so what is it about that that appeals to you? I wouldn't say, you know, I like the day-to-day operations, but I like where they're going. I think, you know, for me, I am personally motivated by progress and improvement. And when I can see it happening every day, I don't have to wait a month to see how much they've improved. Uh, that is motivating and that, that drives me. One example, I guess, would be, would be helpful. Um, I remember working with one of the startups here and 
very early in the in the cycle, they were looking to sell the entire company for two hundred thousand dollars. Throughout the six months that we were working with them, they ended up, you know, being very close to rejecting an offer that valued their company at seven million dollars. Okay, so what's not to love about that, right? That confidence building is just, yeah, so rewarding for me. So, is this about the business for you or about the people? It's people. The reason I asked the investor piece earlier is because I have many sort of theories about what's wrong with, you know, investment approaches, certain doctrines of VC on the continent. Many of them borrowed from other places in the world, and I do sense that、um, this sort of hands-off approach you mentioned, right, that you described so eloquently, is part of the problem. Am I right? Am I naive to say that? Is that not pragmatic? What? I think they fully acknowledged it as a problem. It's just they don't believe it's for them to solve, or that's their best position to solve that problem. I think capacity building is is a problem here, mostly because of resources that are available. I mean, if you if you look at you know develop Countries,、um, there's a good education system. Most entrepreneurs have gone through that, and there's so many resources online, and there's such an ecosystem of previously successful startups, entrepreneurs that you tap on, and you have lots of mentors.、Um, whereas over here, there's so few success stories, so you don't have a lot of mentors providing guidance, and especially sector-specific guidance. Um, you know, especially the fintech, edtech, agritech, depending on what the entrepreneur is in,、um, there are not a lot of mentors that can help share some of their wisdom and help with some of the capacity building. And entrepreneurship education here isn't also、um, where it is elsewhere. And so, again, still on this VC piece,、um, I, I happen to think you know the whole VC game or the whole VC doctrine is actually quite flawed, particularly when it comes to the continent. And I feel. We might be setting ourselves up for a big bubble, you know, not unlike what we saw in 2008. And I feel like the West or funds from the West, which is primarily where the fund, you know, this this money is coming from right now, are insulated from the probably mostly for the most part insulated from the negative repercussions that might ensue when, you know, the fact that this this chase for for high speed growth and basically profit long before sometimes there's actual business value. I feel like there's there's a disconnect there that's going to be problematic for the continent, and it might result in investors abroad and here looking back on the whole thing and going, "Yeah, you should never invest in Africa, or at least in African tech." What do you make of that thinking, and 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 what is your sense of the right way to go about approaching VC? I think the bubble here is much smaller than the bubble we're seeing, at least on the Silicon Valley VC side. But a bubble, nonetheless, you think? Um, I don't know. I would say I'm not convinced there's a bubble. I'm open to arguments on either side at this at this point. But in general, even whether it's VCs, whether it's、um, private equity, growth equity, private equity, they tend to be very cautious here. The funnel for investment is so narrow. They're looking at over a hundred businesses to pick one,、um, and the demographics and the macro trends support growth. And so, if you're, you know, if you're a company that's tapping into those macro trends, it's harder to fail than say, right now in in Silicon Valley, where you know growth in the U.S. has slowed down.、Um, it's definitely not where growth in Africa is, and you're looking for a major disruption in order to produce 
um, returns and higher valuations. Whereas over here, there's there's not huge disruption. You're just riding on a wave of rising incomes, growing middle class, growing consumption, and so- that's not growing as fast as I think a lot of VCs would like to think. And I mean, at the end of the day, they are playing the game where um, you know put in early cash out on some exit on the way to hopefully real business value. I mean, they don't mind doing that. It's, to them, it's not actually about a lot of the time. It's not actually about building sustainable businesses over time. I, I'm not saying they have to feel that way or be driven by that. But I mean, surely that kind of thinking is potentially problematic. I agree with, with that. Um, that a lot of the VCs, because they've been operating in other contexts and they use a certain way of evaluating risk and building a portfolio because you know elsewhere you need big wins because you have a portfolio a pretty diversified portfolio about 30 investments half or more than half are going to go to zero so you need those unicorns that are going to generate 100 times your your money back in order for the on the portfolio level for the fund to do well Um, over here i don't think it's it's nearly the casino it is elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to get your 100x. Um, it's going to take a lot longer just given the pace of growth here. Um, but on the flip side, I don't think you'll get as many going to zero just because of the demographic trends that will support growth in a lot of these. And, you know, they won't also get to 100 times. They won't get to 50 times. They may just return your money. Um, they may return between one and three times, which is more like a private equity kind of return profile than it is a VC return profile. But I think on a risk-adjusted basis, it probably works out to be close to the same. I suspect your thoughts on this are are sort of influenced by what it is you do within the ecosystem. And I think because of what you do, you are inherently looking for actual value because you don't get paid otherwise. For the few startups that we work on. But, but that's why startups are 10% of our client portfolio and the others actually pay us. The other 90% of your clients are, are startups that can afford no, to, the, to engage you? The 90% of our clients are small, medium enterprises. So, you know, agro-processing companies, manufacturing companies. Oh, so not necessarily technically tech or tech-enabled? 90% of our clients are not tech-enabled. So we... we Take on tech clients, tech startup clients on an exception basis. Can we drill down on this? Because I feel like then you're even more qualified to to address what I consider the problematic attitude we have towards this idea of tech or tech-enabled sort of businesses that require sort of 10x thinking versus private equity thinking for like non-tech-enabled or tech businesses. Shouldn't we be developing some sort of hybrid, do you think? And it sounds like to me, maybe you're onto that on some level. I think because ultimately investors or institutions, you know, VCs to get their money from pension funds, endowments, um, individuals, and people like to do their risk analysis on their own. Most institutional investors will. So they will have an allocation for high risk VC and allocation for growth, allocation for something else. Um, And so they are looking for specific types of risk. And I do think that there is room in this market for different kinds of risk capital. Um, there's a lot of room for um, SME funds, SME debt funds, SME equity funds. There's a lot of room for there's room for VCs too because there are there are people looking for higher risk, higher return. For institutional investors, they've already balanced that. They balance their portfolio in the background, so it's it's hard to I would say as an investment manager raise a fund that is diversified within itself because institutional investors want to do that and make those decisions. 
what attracted you to this particular market within East Africa and what do you notice is influencing the VC interest, investment interest, startup support interest like yours in deciding where to go as opposed, you know, uh, Nairobi, Cape Town, Johannesburg. What went into it for you and what trends are you noticing for other people influencing those decisions for them? I mean, our business is ultimately regional. But we have clients all over the region. The East Africa region? We're headquartered in Nairobi. Oh, right. Sorry, I thought you were headquartered in Kigali. Yeah, no, we have, we have clients here. And the reason we had to open an office here is because um, the clients here do need a little bit more capacity building than I would say the clients that we have in Nairobi and Kampala. I mean, the ecosystem here is a lot less mature. It's still it's newer, it's growing, and we needed kind of a more active approach to our clients here which is why we open an office here we have some full-time staff here in Kigali so that they can call us and we can be their office in 15 minutes versus you know they call us and we'll say okay we'll get on the plane tomorrow and we'll be there you know so someone's listening now wondering listening to us from say well southern Africa or West Africa or even North Africa going I think I could use the skills we're talking about right now or you know your your competencies are you open to that or are you focusing on the East African region for now? At the moment, we're focusing on East Africa. We're already seeing way more demand for our services than we are able to meet and to provide. Um, I mean, scaling our own business and growing our team has been a, a bottleneck for us and finding the right talent has been a bottleneck for us. Is it a profitable business? How do people pay you? How do you, aside from taking a stake or doing it on risk, and is this a profitable business? So for the 90% of our clients, yes, they pay us a small retainer up front to do the modeling work, the putting together the marketing materials, starting to reach out to investors. And then we get also paid on, on success. We get a success fee if we close the deal for them. So, I mean, we make the money off the success fee, really. And is it profitable, is it? Yes, yes, it is. It's really just headcount. Um, I mean, we don't, have, we don't have machinery. We don't have, you know, it's just, it's essentially payroll. Our expenses are essentially rent and payroll. And so, yeah, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, how do people get in touch with you if they want to act on or reach out to you? Well, I suppose they'd have to be in the East African region for you to consider them, but nonetheless. Well, you can look us up on our website, niscapital.com. Thank you.